Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. On this, one of the most glorious of all rugby weeks, it is a Six Nations rugby week. And down the line, self-isolated, Tim <laughs> Corona Cocker. How are you, mate? Um, yeah, as, as self-isolating in the Egg Chasers shipping container. Where else would you want to be? Well, quite. Uh, now, I, I jest, you don't have coronavirus, just just symptoms similar. No, I, I, I have very, very <laughs> similar symptoms. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought I'd stick in the shipping container on this occasion. I'll tell you what I do have, as well as, um, you know, uh, all the screens for TMO decisions and, and, you know, a microphone to speak to you, I've, I've got about 426 rolls of loo roll. If anyone needs one, just uh, pop on by. Perfect. Wise. Yeah. I've... Yeah, well, I was thinking about this, right? Oh, hang on. Before we, before I tell you what I was thinking about, hello, hello, Phil, <laughs> trusty Phil here in, in the dungeon. Hello, it's, it's, I'm glad you remembered, GB. Sorry, mate. Good Sorry, to, you are sitting opposite me. Good to be here. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I was thinking this because obviously it is wise to stack up on on loo roll now because you know panic buying is always good. Apparently but so. Appa- apparently loo roll though. But hey. Yeah. Well, do you know what I'd be really concerned about if I was an egg chaser's listener or their friends or family? Like really concerned about. I'd be concerned about two things. Number one, the internet going down. So I would just, I would just say, please download all of our episodes from <clears throat> up to date and all the back episodes. It's a great shout. Make, yeah, and just to make sure, uh, download Rugby Dungeon too, and also download <laughs> them on mo- on multiple devices. Yes, that's a very Multi- good idea. Yeah, backups. Yeah, and also never you be might too careful. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Razors <laughs> might run out, so you can get get on get in touch with Cornerstone. So if you're going to hoard things, hoard things which will be useful come the come the apocalypse. Absolutely, and lots of lots of gin, sweet red vermouth, and Campari. Yes, I can't imagine what you'd make out. It's some sort of like um, serum, I guess. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely sounds medicinal. That sounds like if things get really really bad and you just want to end it all. Is that right? Yes, pretty much. <laughs> okay, pretty pretty much. Final suicide plan. Yeah. So um, before <laughs> I come over to you, Tim, in the in the shipping container, Phil, you were at Twickenham, right? I was. How I, was it? I was at the game. The cauldron of silence. <laughs> the atmosphere seemed good in the ground um, for for the good parts, for the tries, for the flare-ups. Yeah. Because there was a few of those. Um, less so for the last 10 minutes when England kind of gave up and Wales came back into it. But overall, really, really good fun day. Great to go and watch it. At Twickenham, decent seats. Um, 
So enjoyed yesterday a lot more than today because it took me over seven hours oh to get home word. because the overhead lines somewhere in between Euston and Watford were down and it was just a nightmare. Mm. Hence, I'm in the TMO shipping container because uh, I would have had to have come back to London tomorrow after a seven-hour trip back to Manchester. No, thank you very much. But Phil um, and JB, actually, uh, I, I saw one picture that someone posted on social media from Twickenham and I was, we'll see if your, you being there means you can get this right over JB, Phil. The cost of a beer and a chilli cheese hot dog at one of the stalls just outside the stadium, in the immediate vicinity Ooh. of the stadium. How much do you think it was for a beer, oh, beer. and a chilli cheese hot dog? Uh, 14 quid. Uh, so this is not within the um, within the gated barrier around Twickenham, Tim. This is a, a, a vendor outside the ground, you, you say? No, no, immediately by the steps up and down from the stadium. Okay, so that does push it up a little bit. I'm going to say, I can't even remember. I I bought a good few beers in the ground, but I can't remember how much I was paying for them. Bragging? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> drinker? <laughs> uh, you just get desensitised to it. Um, let's say £6.50 for the beer and £10.50 for the hot dog. Oof. So 17 quid, Tim. Uh, JB had it on the nose at fourteen pounds. Oh, there you go. Someone knows his hot dogs. <laughs> Bargain. I'll take. I'll take two. Yeah. Well, talking of someone else, that know, talking about someone else that knows his sausage, uh, <laughs> Joe Marler. <laughs> uh, do we want to jump straight into this? Well, well let's, can let's, we just get rid of it? Let's get it out the way. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a, it, it's been play, it's been playing on my mind since it happened. It's been playing on many people's minds. Gareth Thomas's mind, allegedly. <laughs> so, well. What do you think, Phil? So it just comes across as monumentally stupid. Um, it's obvious what he's trying to do. He's trying to get a reaction out of Alan Wynne Jones. Yeah. Um, now I don't know because I was in the ground. Did this happen before or after there was a, a midway little... first half? I think. Yeah, but there was midway in the first half. There was a scuffle where Alan Wynne Jones um, took off uh, Mario Toji. Yeah. Took off. He, he kind of hit him with a shoulder. Do you know if it happened before or after that? Af- after the melee. It was right at the end of the of the little melee, which was started by Owen right. Farrell, just kind of pushing, uh, sort of um, uh, having a bit of a laugh at George, George North's expense because he dropped the ball going for a try. Yeah. So it's clear what Marler's trying to do, which is to, well, the best case scenario for, for Marler in that is Alan Wynne Jones throws a punch. Yeah. Obviously, Alan Wynne Jones is far smarter than that, far more experienced, has been wound Did up for the for his 130 international I games. Lo- I love this press conference. And his uh, three Ospreys games every year. Yeah, three Ospreys games a year now. Don't forget <laughs> about those. It just comes comes across as totally stupid from Marla. But then it kind of is going to lead to an interesting decision because... I think Will Rugby are in a position where they're going to have to ban him for 12 weeks. There is no option in my mind, but he has to be banned. There's a bit of kind of the boys being boys, bit of rough and tumble type thing that where, where in a lot of scenarios, this you wouldn't bat an eyelid at that happening if you know someone really well or someone knows you or whatever. But in this scenario, in this context, in this environment, I don't think anything else can be done other than a 12-week ban. I completely agree. I think what he did was stupid. Um, I think the rules are in place for good reason. And the rules aren't in place to protect Alan Wynne-Jones, by the way. They're not there to protect you or me. I mean, I would have no problem if anyone did that. I mean, 
I say no problem. <laughs> I mean, I'd have an equal problem. Just have like rubbed my head on, you know, head in the grass or something. I, I, you know, I kind of feel it's along that kind of severity. But the rules aren't written for me. They're written for someone who that really does matter to. And I also think that rugby union is a game which is really played on the edge of, you know, being incredibly homoerotic in the first place. <laughs> I mean, I always think about the um, the gif of um, Fap slapping someone's arse trying to get the ball out, you know, which is completely different, of course. Just to explain how that's different, JB. How is slapping someone's arse different? I'm going to be as concise as the one of the US Supreme Judges when describing pornography. And he simply said... Um, I know it when I see it. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I know it's different, and I'll know it when I see it. It is It is different because, well, for one thing, one good example, Twitter didn't go nuts with that um, Faf to Clerk thing. I mean, no, and right no, so, it was just funny. Yeah. Because that's what I mean. Rugby is one of those things, it skates right on the edge anyway. And it's got a lot of unwritten sorts of rules. And the reason that this has never come up before is because no one's been stupid enough to do it in such a publicly, uh, you know, such an obvious manner. And that's what he did. And the reason I really hate this is I don't I don't hate it because I think you know he sexually assaulted assaulted him. I hate it because he did it for his own benefit. You know you've got to love Joe Marler for the character he is and the way he plays the game, but then you've got to hate him for all the shenanigans which comes along. And I have no doubt this this falls into the category is when he tried to start a fight with the Dupree's because he had a, a pre you know a pre-issued line. He's grabbing Ab- Alan Wynne Jones. He's looking around, seeing who seeing who can see him. He knows what he's up to. It's utterly cynical, and that's why I hate it. He he did exactly this at the side of a ruck playing for Harlequins. Um, I remember the the video. I think we even I think we might have even had a giggle about it on the pod. Um, yeah. He did it. He did it. It might have even been against Sale. I remember. I seem to remember. Oh no. I don't know, but I, I remember. I've, I remember him doing it at the side of a ruck, and he just he reached out and and ping did it. It was a couple of seasons ago, I think. I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to libel a man, but I I, I seem I seem to remember that. So you're saying he's got previous as well? Yeah. Wow. When, yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's might a... that might increase the ban. Yeah, hopefully. You if you can be streetwise and gain an advantage in the game, do the with, rock within the rock. Yeah, within the laws or. Um, in in ways that are streetwise enough to, that you get away with it, fine. We want streetwise players who, yeah. But this is just stupid. This is not streetwise. Yeah. From my part, the, the one word that's been used by by I think you used it, JB, um, or it might have been Phil. I don't know. But the one word that's been used that I cannot stand is Twitter. You use the word uh, Twitter yeah. like that is any sort of barometer on what should lead or dictate what happens and how people feel and what the laws of our game should be because I think if there's one thing we've learned in the last year from from politics from sport from culture from everything really Twitter is not real mm. yeah I, I do think that is a very good point but, I'm, but it, is, it is having a really insidious effect on rugby it's having a disproportionate effect because a very very vocal minority of people are making a very very loud noise and for, for whatever reason rugby is Dancing to the beat of its drum. Yeah, but I don't think it is on this. I think it needs just it just, no, just needs to be banned. No, so my, my my view on this is quite simple. I, I I think there is nuance allowed, and the problem with Twitter is it it, it either it splits people to one end or the other, uh, and there is nuance allowed. Like if you found it funny when you first saw it, as clearly the commentary team did. Shane Williams had a little giggle. Uh, there was a, a comment by um, the uh, the commentary team in the second half about Joe Marler's ball handling. As the the team in the studio did at half time, 
had a giggle and replayed it. As many, many people on Twitter and in the pub I was in, everywhere else. There were lots of people. If you found it funny because you sort of understood what you thought Joe Marler was trying to do and didn't see the potential consequences and potential harm, you're not a bad person. That's all that's all I want to say. You're not a bad person. Yeah. And that's and that's an okay view to have had. And I was surprised at Alan Wynne Jones's response, but given that was Alan Wynne Jones's response, it does paint it in a different light. I'm happy with the way you two have talked about it because you've confined it to the context of if you if you try a bit of kidology and try and get ahead and it doesn't pay off, then well, you've put yourself in the firing line. Rather than what again, yeah. if you look at social media, a lot of people have said is that somehow Joe Marler is morally repugnant, uh, should be on some sort of register, which is is utterly he, ridiculous. He, he register. He is registered. <laughs> he's registered as a player. He's a he's on the players register. He's definitely but, on the players register. But but Tim, exactly your point that you made before. Just ignore that. Yeah. Just just ignore the. Yeah. Look, I'm like ninety percent where you are, Tim, which is like can be funny. Look, I, I've actually done it myself one, um, uh, once before when I was nineteen. Uh, in Weatherspoons and in I did know, and I was trying to <laughs> instigate a fight. So you know, so I do know, you know, like what it's about. Um, th- th- that's why it has no place on a rugby field. That's why there are rules for it. And I'm ninety percent with you, Tim. But the other ten percent of me is um, kind of like those rules aren't for me. Those rules and rugby. Yeah, you know, when you try and talk to someone, and say, hey, why don't you play? Why do you fancy this? And they come out with, oh, it's just men all rubbing up against each other in the showers, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the, the one final closing point on it, I would say, is that you, you've referred to the laws being there and this is what they're there for. Now, I'm quite happy with the laws being applied in this case, but this isn't what the laws were there for. The laws are there for, like, times of things that have happened to me. In fact, I remember my, my, uh, my southwest of England trial uh, first ever representative year under 16s and my opposite number in the final trial first ruck grabbed and squeezed my bollocks and um, completely put me off my game did you struggle to play whilst being interested <laughs> so but 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 I, I don't think the laws were written with this remotely in mind like someone having a laugh and the rugby paper today I, I totally have issue with the guy uh, Gary Fitzgerald I think it is who described it in his opening paragraph as a uh, he painfully grabbed Alan Wynne Jones's testicle. Yeah, he should be banned for twelve weeks. So, do you agree with that, Tim? Um, well, once Alan Wynne Jones said what he said, yes. One thing I've said before is that I miss a bit of self policing. I've talked about it in re- in relation to the ruck. I'm not saying I want you know stud marks down the back of every player, but if there was if if you just lightened up a little bit and allowed players a little bit of self policing it would make the game a whole lot better the hardest hard man i think is the guy that takes a punch goes yeah fine laughs it off yeah i'll catch you you know i'll catch you next time because yeah. you know he will catch you next time I, you know well, and that is the same with this i mean alan jones doesn't need to act like you know he's been violated he, it was that mate that is bizarre you're you are an odd man but don't worry next ruck yeah, I'll be coming for you. Next tackle, next uh, yeah. carry. And like he says, he's got 138 caps for his country. I don't want him swinging his arms like he's got half a cap. If you could have such a thing, I, I do miss players Would policing things what, and the referees and lawmakers not having to. But I understand all the cameras, all the people watching. I get it. I just miss it. Wait, Tim, you got what you wanted because it was dealt with with the players. I don't think anyone intervened. Did, did they not? I, I, but, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't dealt with, but it nothing happened. Yeah. 
There was so there was no kind of, there was no consequences actually, in the game. That's, there will be consequences down the line. Yeah. Well, I tell you, um, who did deal with things in the uh, in, in in their own way in another tedious link? England. Well, <laughs> they did for most of the game until the last five minutes. Yeah, that's interesting. So I looked at this game and I thought, first first ten minutes, England were frightening, like world class. Uh, World Cup finalists, frightening, frightening. Uh, more like World Cup semi-finalists, because that's that yeah. was how they were playing. Just they... this, I've said this about England about a million times now, but their intensity in the first ten minutes is where they make or break the game. Usually, yeah, because it seems either fold immediately, or they let England. Uh, sorry, they either fold immediately or they adjust. Uh, and when they adjust, that's when England really start, starts to struggle. And actually, Wales Wales adjusted. But the difference was this time, England found more gears late, um, later on in the game, which is really impressive. Yeah. The, f- the first five, ten minutes, so um, Anthony Watson's try was after four minutes. Yeah. And that that is a common, common theme for England over the past few years, is scoring early. And often with um, pre-planned attacking moves. So this was... Line out in the 22. Lovely move as well. It was really, Lovely execution. Really nice move. I, you you would assume that someone has analysed the Wales defensive pattern from line outs and seen a weakness there in between the kind of tail gunner from the back of the line out and the first back defender mm-hmm. for the inside pass, which left uh, Watson with a one-on-one with Thomas Williams. Yeah, and he still had a lot to do as well. He's, he's a good finish. Traveling at pace with a scrum, only a scrum half five yards from his line, yeah. who is flat-footed as well. Watson's at full pace, and so uh, am I being unfair well. when I think that that wouldn't have happened under Sean Edwards? Is this just rose-tinted glasses, or do you think they're scoring that anyway? It might be rose-tinted glasses. Tim, yes, I think it is. I, mm. I think you're looking, in, you are looking back um, with with your rose-tinted <sighs> glasses, or no. whatever John Inverdale would call them. What, what would he call them? <laughs> I'm not going to say what he would call them. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, yeah. Um, but after that, I thought Dan Bigger was absolutely remarkable. I thought Dan Bigger had a great game for, for the majority of it. He did. And he had um, a good welcoming party in the first few minutes. Oh, my word. I thought he was dead. Yeah. Was it Manu and Ben Curry? I thought it was. It's definitely Ben Curry. Was it? Yeah, it was Manu. Is that Manu was Manu or Toji? I think it was Manu and Ben Curry. With a high ball up that landed on him exactly as those and two. And he abs- still caught it. Yeah, he caught remarkable, it. Remarkable, isn't he? Absolutely smashed. And I did think, is he getting up from this? He is the next Lions starting fly half. I don't care what anyone says. He is so such a remarkable <laughs> player. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with that. He's a, as in the Lions. I, he's he's playing some bloody good rugby. Um, so he, he but he had a good game. He had, he did have a good game, and he got. A lot of the things that were good about Wales went through him. But England were in control for most of this game. Yeah. So what would you rate yeah. England out of 10, JB? Because I sensed that you were going like, oh, 10 at the start, but then, oh, dear. What, 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 how would you rate them out of 10? 10, then going into a 5, then no. back up to an Overall. 8. I'd give them an 8. Okay. All right. I, I think I think an eight's fair. Could have been an 8.5 maybe. It could maybe drop to a 7.5 because of that last five minutes. Um, yeah, which is ridiculous. I mean, you know, what, hang on, I'm trying to think now. What was yellow for? It was Genge. Did, it was just a team. It was a team, a team a penalty, offensive. team oh, yellow card. I, I guess it's a bit early to go into the Manu stuff, but Ma, but 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 Manu, do we all agree that was 100 percent a red? Um, 
I think it possibly no. could have been dedicated to a yellow. I thought it was 100% so, red. No, I don't, I don't think it was a red. I, about, I don't want it to be 100%. I mean, did you see the way... I, the problem was his outside arm was wrapped, his inside arm was clearly tucked. And in that case, he makes contact with the head. It doesn't matter if, he, if he's going... I don't think he makes clear contact with the head. Well, it, it looks to me like... Again, this is controversial because I don't think it's necessarily clear. It looks to me like George North loses consciousness for a second or two. Uh, so watching it in the stadium, because they played the replay on the big screen a few times, I could not believe that George North didn't get taken off for HA. Yeah. Because he, he, he is out. When he hits the I'm floor... Sure, yeah, I thought that. He loses the ball, he's out. Because the way the ball just rolls at the back of his hand, I mean, that's just not... He, he's out. He's, yeah. He, he's definitely out. And both it being George North as well. I mean, if it was like, I don't know, Hadley Parks, um, you go, yeah, okay, straight back up. I don't think he was knocked out. It's interesting you mentioned Hadley Parks. I thought his tackle on Manu was more a red card. Um, yeah, I can definitely see it. I mean, look, if you got Manu for a red card. Well, he, his, he his body did, was high. Hadley Parks. Yeah, the, the, the inconsistency is frustrating. It I can, really, I can really see. pissed me off. That that I can see what Hadley, but Manu Manu in my in my eyes. So you follow the framework. It was a chicken wing tackle. His his leading arm or leading shoulder. There was no attempt to wrap. In fact, his arm was yeah, it's down, so it was down now, by down by his side. Him. It should be totally alien for any rugby player, any rugby union player particularly, to tr- attempt to make a tackle with one arm either down by their side or behind them. It just should be totally. You should just never do it. I looked at the framework and I think you can mitigate that down to a yellow because of George North's height. And there yeah, was and, and, and and there wasn't direct contact with the head in my opinion. So I agree with your first point, I disagree with your second point. Yeah. So but I, but I think, on either case you can mitigate it down to a yellow. Ben O'Keefe said he has no option of mitigation. Ben O'Keefe was wrong. He uh, he could have said nevertheless uh, despite the fact that he has dropped and that might give me the opportunity to mitigate it down to a level uh, to a yellow I'm not going to because of A, B or C but Ben O'Keefe actually got it wrong on the field in him saying I have no choice to mitigate I, so, I so yeah I, I definitely agree with that point as well Tim it, they, it could have been mitigated I, I wouldn't have hated it had it have been mitigated but so I, if it had been a yellow card I can understand it Yeah. if it's a red card I can understand it. Yeah, I, I think either either one is okay in this scenario. I would 100% give him a red card. But this is like Wayne Barnes the other week who got something wrong. I can't remember what, what he got wrong. But kind of like an exam question, he showed his workings. It, what was it? The knock-on off the head off someone. Oh, the Banahan. Yeah. Now, I think he's got that wrong, right? But I know why he's come to that conclusion. He's showed his workings. You are right, yeah. Tim. As in, you know, they could have, you know, he should have said, I could mitigate this, but I'm not but, going to. But for the because of the force. Yeah. And one of the reasons I think that this one got caught for red card and the Hadley Parks one didn't, and I'm not saying it's right, but this is what I think the difference is, is I think that in the Hadley Parks situation, didn't play continue, wasn't it a fluid motion? Yeah. And, and Whereas Manu, this, he is out and he's backwards. Manu shouldn't shouldn't make any difference. You're, you're, no, you're that, exactly right, yeah, Tim. You're shouldn't. exactly right. It shouldn't. But that's but what and, I had, and, had, and Hadley Parks, uh, Manu, uh, well, so Eddie Jones's perspective, and clearly, you, you know, you'll disagree with Eddie Jones on the arm position, but but so Eddie Jones said Manu's done everything that World Rugby have asked him to do, as in he got his he got his body nine, uh, horizontal with the ground at waist height, and he's got a red card. Hadley Parks has done the exact opposite of what World Rugby are trying to do, and he went up 
stood up, made head contact, yeah. and nothing happened. Yeah. The, the problem they've got, right, is everything World Rugby wants except for the the last thing, which is they've got a player on the floor un- unconscious. So, you know, they've written all, all this framework, but still there is a player on the floor un- unconscious. And, you know, like, this could be, this could have been the worst one. This could have been the worst one possible because of George North, North's history as well. I mean, we could honestly look at something which would be far, far more serious. There's also an element of recklessness there because he didn't control himself, which is why he, George yeah. North ends up unconscious. So just just on the reckless point, I read the um, Stephen Jones in the Time today, Times today. Stephen Jones, it was casual misuse of language, but he actually says that Manu was not reckless, which I based on the dictionary definition of reckless and also world rugby's definition of reckless is totally wrong. He was, he was reckless. He was, he he didn't intend to hit him in the head, but he was, he, um, approached that tackle either knowing or should have known that there was a significant risk of that happening. Drink drivers don't mean, don't mean to, don't mean to mow people over. Fine. Fine. I'm fine. I, I, you know what? But but I have a massive massive problem with with what you just said in that that basically this is why you'd, you'd sort of go if if a tiny little eleven stone scrum half high hits someone and it doesn't really shake the bones of a of a tight head prop well oh, let's just play on just play no, on that would be yeah I, I, I don't I, see I where that, I can't I, see how, we've, how I'm we've definitely not saying that no I, I, what. I guess I'm just saying it's just a dramatic effect. And I think Manu is unfortunate in some ways because maybe if it was a giant tight prop who didn't fall backwards, wasn't wasn't separated from consciousness, didn't go out of play, he probably gets away with it. It's it's actually Hadley Parks is lucky because of the situation. Yes. So I I would, like you, Tim, I would be happy if Hadley Parks had got a red for that. So World Rugby are trying to clear things up and... The, the high tackle framework, I think, is is right. I think Ben O'Keefe used it slightly wrongly, exactly as you pointed out, Tim, um, in this scenario. Now, there is an interesting thing. So Chris Jones, BBC Chris Jones, has put on, on Twitter um, today, this afternoon, that he's spoken to referees and senior figures at World Rugby. And what, he's, what Chris Jones's statement from what they're saying is... If the player is never making a genuine attempt at a legal tackle with arms pinned back and it's a shoulder to head, then no mitigation applies, which is what Ben O'Keefe suggested. But that is not how the high tackle decision making framework is written. You can apply mitigating factors to a shoulder charge. This apparent statement, it's a statement that's come through Chris Jones um, from World Rugby contradicts their own decision-making yeah, framework. Yeah, this is a mess. Is, one of the biggest shames about all this is actually, I thought first off, George North, you know, same old, same old for the last couple of years. Then he really got into the game. He did. He's kind <laughs> of like a phoenix rising. For for a period of time in the second half, when it opened up, um, or for four periods in the, in the second half when it opened up, he looked good. Yeah, he, he did. He looked good, good going forward. I mean, I did say two weeks ago, after his knockout against France, which was so easy, I'd rather he didn't play this game. I'd rather, yeah. And now I, I, I'm even more strongly opinionated on that. I would be be very happy if we do not see George North again until September. Yeah, like, agreed. For, I, for, for I don't think he gets I, I would be quite happy if he just called it a day, actually, yeah, because watching him makes you feel nervous. And I know really his concussions issue aren't, issues aren't about how 
it makes me feel. Um, <laughs> but it does make you every time he goes into contact, I think, oh Christ, God, what no, now? not again, not what, again, George. It's it, 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 it's it's awful, awful to watch. Uh, are we in a position yet to say, if we haven't already said it, that Marutoji is now the world's best lock, or certainly the best lock in the home nations? Northern Hemisphere. I think he's, he's yeah. Northern Hemisphere, I'd definitely go with that. He, he's, I, I thought yesterday was really interesting because this time last year, or the return fixture, Alan Wynne-Jones probably looked like the best lock on the, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere. He led a, a remarkable effort, injured, injured his knee in the first five minutes. They beat England. Amazing. I think Marutoji outplayed him in every facet of the game this weekend. And it, it is, you've got, Marutoji, he's right in his prime now. He's, he's what, awesome. 25? Yeah. He's, he'll have a few good more years. Alan, Alan Jones is still, he's a very intelligent, very experienced operator, but he's certainly not at the absolute peak of his powers. Yeah. Uh, it's the way Mario manhandles people. Yeah. I just, I love how he flies out the line. And if he gets you, it's over. If he just gets a fingernail yeah, on you. Yeah, if, if for whatever reason it is, he happens to skim you, you're going to get you know, thrown about, uh, removed from your feet. Uh, it's, he's just an unbelievable presence. But he's he's good all round. Mm. So his, his line-out work is very good. And England did pretty well at times to disrupt that Welsh line-out um, and secure their own ball. Um, his carrying generally is very good. Um, if he gets into open space as well, which he did in, early on in the first half, he's very dangerous. He doesn't often kick it like George Cruz has done twice now. <laughs> Did George Cruz go for like a chip and chase, wasn't he? Or like a little grubber? Yeah. What yeah. It? A ter- terrible in... grubber last week. And that makes me love the fact he tried it again even more. I know. It was, the one last week was definitely the wrong time. He had like three men in front of him and he tries a grubber. And it the, went two yards and got scooped up. Um, this time, it was at least the right time and the right option. It just well, it was very bad. It wasn't that bad. I mean, yeah, it was pretty bad. But no, I just love, I love the, the, I think it says a lot about the man. And, and incidentally, that is possibly, if rumours are to be believed, his last game in an England shirt. And what an absolute colossus that man is. I, I love George Ford. And, and those two as a combination were absolutely immense. And I think, we, you know, we've spent so long on this podcast talking about the stuff I don't want to talk about because England were absolutely awesome, and I, I even in the context of the discussion, there's a lot, and in the context of a, a lot of written stuff, it was like England were good, but no, let's just focus on the fact England was so bloody good. They for large periods of this game, they were they played a lot of their their best stuff, like when they hammered Ireland last year and this year. Um, yeah, like I, like when they played against think, the All Blacks, the, the Welsh game plan was just custom built to be destroyed by England. It's like, could we build a game plan that England would love? Yeah, here's one. Well, so it's an interesting one because one of the things that Wales did like brilliantly, Wales scored the best try of the tournament. Yeah, but, but by uh, by running it, by not being that pragmatic, by running it and and having an element of surprise in there. And I think that's exactly what it is. It was one element of surprise. And the definition of a surprise means you can't do it. <laughs> do it every single time. Every single time. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, they got a really nice try. And that's that's cool. But uh, and, you know, anyone that looks at this result and goes, oh, that's a 30 to 33 game. That's yeah, not a 30 this, to 33 game. Yeah, yeah no, no, it's not. And this is my point. Again, I've, I've tried to sort of throw the focus on how brilliant England were. And we're back to, well, were Wales bad? 
No, England yeah. were flipping awesome. They were Eng- powerful, brutally physical, and on on I think four times out of five, they absolutely wipe the floor with Wales and win by twenty odd points. England are the best yeah. team on the planet if you let them be the best team on the planet. Eng- England should have won. England should have won this by twenty points. Yeah, they they definitely should. And so I'm okay yeah. with them only winning by three, uh, because I think. You know, as I say, four times out of five, th- those little lapses or personal yeah. I- individual decisions won't get made, and England will just wallop Wales. And so, yeah, I, I do agree. If if England play like this, because they were good. and Wales play and, like that, that's the other thing. Well, Wales, Wales will be playing like this for a good period of time. Oh, I wish it would stop. <laughs> I wish, and it I would think stop. I do think that Wales will get better at playing like this. Yeah, but. but, like, but England, England were bloody good. And to name name a few names, so the the back row, yeah. And I've I've, I've said this for, a, for I said this last year, and I said it early on in this tournament. I don't like either Marrow or Laws playing at six, but the last couple of games they've both been bloody. So brilliant. I love they have been super. When you've got athletes of that quality, and they're not quite big enough to be a quote unquote tight head lock. Right, <laughs> so you can't play them both together. I mean, yeah, of course you can play. I mean, they are world class locks, and for the majority of games, they'll be okay. But when you come against top, top opposition, you need George, like George, George Cruz. But then you can't waste one of those two by not having him on the field. So I love it. I think it's really, really pragmatic. And if Tom Curry, he was awesome, like he yeah, does, he, he solved all the problems. He, he did. All, he he was... did all the number eight jobs perfectly well in, when England were hammering Wales' scrum and walking forward he looked totally in control when he had to pick up when it was a collapsed scrum or it was just wheeling and stuff he made the right decisions maybe yeah. we, maybe the naysayers were wrong about, about that decision yeah yeah I mean maybe I, I guess where they, were, they, where they were where they were correct is you shouldn't really be doing it in international matches Sale should have done it for three or four games and handed them back to oh. Back to England. Maybe just I mean, not that's... maybe just not away in France. And then England might have had been playing for a grand slam if the game ever against Italy ever happens. Yeah, away in France was a um, pretty tough start to yeah. your career as a number eight. But you know, maybe you throw it away against France and you've got a number eight for God knows how long. And yeah. who knows? Um one of the things I thought about it is because he's got um a rucker monkey in uh, Wilson, Bolton Wilson. On, Bolton on at seven, who's just Dynamo of, of, of dynamo uh, of a man. You see a different side to Tom Curry, which you don't see that often. So you still get all the work around the park, but you get a bit more carrying. Um, he's actually far more dynamic at carrying than I ever thought he actually was. I don't think of him as that kind of player. Yeah, but he's been very impressive. Yeah, with his, his and the, forward. the skills right at the start, where it just goes through the, the England's forwards' hands. I mean, if you can if you can trust that to how they played against France, where there was a period of time where England were trying to put the ball through hands and they looked absolute garbage. They just couldn't do anything. Yeah. In that France game. And but in this, in this, the, the handling was slick. That Steve Borthwick is one hell of a skills coach. One hell of a skills coach. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's like they've kind of knocked. Maybe it was ring rust uh, in that in, in in that France game and they've sort of loosened off a bit now. Yeah. Quite possibly. Yeah. I'd say who else I was impressed with. Um, so I thought the two wingers. The two wingers in uh, Watson and Daly, because Daly played most yep. of the game on the wing, played really well. But I thought Slade was brilliant at fullback. He looked composed. He looked calm. He well, came into the line. Well. He looked amazing. 
just full stop. He just looks yeah. amazing. Amazing. I'm not. I'm not sure about the moustache. It's not not to my personal taste, but he can pull it off. Yeah, um, to me, it looked great. And his position was good. He handled everything well. Manu didn't actually need to fly in because he'd already taken down George North five yards from his own try line, which is a bloody hard thing to do in the first place. So I thought he was he was really really good, Slady. Uh, yeah, it's hard to criticise any England player. I mean, including and, Ben I, Youngs, who was also well, really good. Ben Youngs, who got man of the match, and no 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 player of the match. So, sorry, sorry, Tim. Sorry, quite sorry, right, else. quite right. Um. But again, I see as part of Ben Young's career, highs and lows. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. That's what he does. He's inconsistent. That's why he should have gone ages ago. Yeah. I mean, but this actually proves my point that he should have gone ages ago. <laughs> yeah, but you've got to have the horrible, crushing, repeated lows to get the delicious, wonderful highs. Exactly right. Exactly right. But he, so Ben Young's will now <laughs> likely get his Ben Young's the heroine of of rugby. Hang on, heroine of rugby is like a woman. Yeah. So he's more like the crack. Spice of rugby. <laughs> spice. <laughs> rugby spice. <laughs> so uh, he, he's on to get his 100th cap, Um. well, in his next game. In Japan, which, if he goes, probably won't. Which probably won't be Japan, which will probably be at home at Twickenham. Why do you think he won't go, go, go to Japan? Because he won't get picked. Yeah, uh, he'll so take think kids. Any, yeah. Anyone who went to the World Cup won't go. Would would be my prediction. Well, who's going to show me on the balls in clubs? <laughs> uh, with with the exception, perhaps of me, maybe McConaughey or Thokonasiga or those kind of players, or Jack Singleton, players that haven't really been playing now for one reason or another, injury or um, selection. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I just want to just reflect a little bit on Wales. Um, I a mean, bit more. Well, have you got anything to say to say about Wales? Um. Pivak is going to be interesting. Pivak. Pivak. I'm slightly optimistic for him that he can improve. This This is not a journey to go from the pragmatic um, Gatlin style of rugby to a more expansive free-flowing style of rugby. It's not going to happen overnight. It will take some time. And I'm slightly optimistic for Wales that he can do that with enough exposure to the, the players and if he has the backing. Um, so... From that side, I'm slightly optimistic. I am a little bit worried on um, the combination of the sh- the shift over, and by by that, I, um, it's a probably really bad way of describing what I mean. Which is, so there are times when Wales are trying to do a kicking game more like they were doing under Gatland, but because they're still playing on, or they're now playing and set up in a pivot system, some of their kicking looks aimless and unintelligent there's a period in the France game where it was kick tennis they, mm. they didn't know what they were doing and they did it a few times in the England game so that is that transition yeah Wales are basically, me. Wales are basically Scotland though we'll have one or two good, good wins there'll be a high and like you say Phil a crushing low crushing low and this is how it's going to be Wales will be exactly as good as a talent available to them and let's be honest the talent available to them is nothing like as good as England or Ireland Probably not up there with Scotland. I mean, it probably is in some some. It's, it's about yeah. Evil. They've got they've, they've got some good yeah. talent. Add that to an absolutely garbage domestic game, and this that is, does not help. Yeah, this is where Wales will be. Um, two wins per Six Nations. Three wins will be a moral victory. The beauty of Gatland is he made everything around him better. 
kind of like Will, when when Will Greenwood played. What Will Greenwood used to do is he made, used to make everyone around him better, uh, and that's what Gatland did as a coach. So I don't blame Pivak. I think Pivak will do a good job. He, he is a good coach, but the contrast to the job that Gatland did, um, sad times. It's going to take time though. It is for the it's, for that yeah, yeah. It'll take time to win three games a season. <laughs> and no, I, I can't see us winning. Right. Oh, Any except for that one that you play on a Friday night. So what I'd say to that is, I understand what you're saying about uh, the the contrast with Gatland, but let's look at let's look at it another way. Gatland had two World Cups, and the best coach of his generation couldn't three World three, two semifinals. Yeah, 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 two semifinals is what I was focused on, and That's he good. he he built his side over that time, and he couldn't get to a World Cup final. So even the best coach of his generation. Couldn't take a Welsh team to the to the to the Holy Grail of a World yes. Cup final. The uh, is it the Einstein phrase? The definition of stupidity is doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results. So what's the harm in four years out from a World Cup, a new coach coming in and saying, "Look, we're going to try. We're going to try something totally different." What, what have you got? What have Wales got to lose? Uh, yeah. Well, we won't get to any more semi-finals, so I guess. You know, well, in three and a half years' time, you you know that you know that to yeah. be true. Pretty confident. Gatland's only ever lost three Six Nations games once in his entire career. He's got three Grand Slams. He's won. Uh, he's won it a further time. Yeah. Well, like, why, why, are you to, why are you talking about Gatland? Well, you know, just deal, deal with the point I just made. Is that if, if he's the best coach ever, if he's the best coach on the planet, yeah. as you maintain, and I, and I don't disagree, then wh- why would anyone? Be able to do better. How would anyone do better than Warren Gatland? And if they can't do, and if they can't do better doing Gatland type things, why not try and at least match it, or maybe do better doing different things? You're never going to match it, and that's exactly what he said, isn't it? Which is, I think Pivik will do a good job, but it's the contrast that is his problem. So, do you want to? Should they just give up now? Yeah, pack it up. <laughs> like, just because that is the kind of if you're not going to match, you're not going to match it. Yeah, sell off the stadium. <laughs> like, what's the point, Pivot? You you don't um, do what he did with the Scarlets in the Pro 14 without being a good coach. Oh, he's a great coach, and that, you know, but we know what you know. So when he came to the Scarlets, uh, he was pretty much an unknown, an unknown, an unknown quantity. He was assistant coach elsewhere. Um, he comes in, he makes plays this revolutionary brand of rugby, catches everyone off off guard, and they do really, really well. They've won one Pro 14 title, which is mm-hmm. great. But once we know about this, it can still be effective. They will, they will beat teams that they are better than. Shock horror! There is some, there is some <laughs> massive analysis for you. The difference between that and what Gatland did is Gatland would beat teams that are better than them, and that is the difference. Apart from New Zealand, uh, yeah, apart from them, yeah. Yeah, apart from them. <laughs> but I, you know, last year they had no right to beat England, and they did that through sheer tactical mouse. Well, I disagree. Um, I kind of, I, I say, you say no right to beat England. I think to to pivot or pivot to Murrayfield, then I think you're completely wrong. Six Nations playing at home <laughs> means you've got every right to win, and it's incredibly hard to get any win on the road. And England will never ever go to Cardiff without Wales having a significant chance of a win because home advantage is that it's much. Massive. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it is, look, it is that much over the last 10 years because Gatlin's been there. But prior to that, believe you me, as a Welsh fan growing up, uh, we've had that single win 
away at Wembley with Scott Gibbs. The next one after that was when Gavin Henson kicked the points. I mean, those were barren, barren years. I think that's basically where we're going to be heading to soon. So uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, <laughs> so should you, so should you boys. I'm glad you're in a good mood, JB. I am. Glad you're looking forward to it. Um, any, anything else to talk about in England, Wales? Yes, one last thing. Some more positives, please. One, one, one last thing related to the red card and Manu. Uh, okay. Is that a positive? Just, go, on, go on. No, everyone's mentioned everything about this red card. It's one thing. The reaction to Manu straight after getting set sent off, which will be lost in this, uh, but behaved in exactly the right way, which is probably why I like the game. Why, uh, why I like the game so much. He didn't argue, and the first thing he did went over to George North to check, check, check he was okay, um, apologised, and disappeared yeah. nicely. And that is a good rugby trait. Yeah, that you can move on, shake hands, uh, even when things go badly wrong. Even when you've separated a man from his consciousness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and for his part, um, George North thanked Toby Falatau for saying hello. Uh, the other thing I, I will just mention in this, I was a bit disappointed that we didn't see Ben Earl uh, earlier. Like, yeah. I would have just, I think England did look like they were getting a little bit tired later on and just like his energy. He only came on for the last couple of minutes maybe. So it would have been nice to see him enter the fray and, and speed things up a bit more. Yeah. But other than that, England were bloody good. Congratulations, England. Hey, there's been some domestic rugby b- been played. And in case anyone wants to know, I won my fantasy rugby league again. Again, for the first time in three weeks. First time in three weeks, yep. <clears throat> and I'm, I'm losing... back to on the bounce now. Oi. After beating Oi. JB last week, I'm, I, I've uh, doubled up. So I'm back in the I'm back in the playoff hunt. Now, um, I, I know I know what your rule is, Tim, and I'm fully on fully on board with it because it is important people only want to talk about the top of the table and the top of the table did change uh, over the weekend <laughs> why aren't we talking about scotland only briefly <laughs> yeah it's a good point why aren't we talking about scotland uh because we agreed that we do scotland af- after the premiership oh no, did, did we, we? Let's want to do Scotland now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think. What? Well, well, sail up the agenda? Not absolutely well, not. A full weekend of domestic fixtures. Well, because get, get <laughs> this, like Scotland, uh, the Scotland fans will be absolutely delighted uh, with with the win at, against France, as they should be. Uh, but yeah. there's the, what I kind of enjoy being an England fan who is hated by every other nation, which Nick Tompkins admittedly. Uh, you know, readily admitted in his pre-game chat in the week, which, funnily enough, no one seemed to have a problem with uh, when he talked about, you know, everyone hates England. Um, yeah, well, because, yeah, the reason no one has a problem with that is because the people that had a problem with England were English journalists, and they're far more pernickety and, you know, standard bearers of the game than the Welsh journalists, who basically have no morals whatsoever. So that that would be the difference. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. So it was, I was just, just just referring back to that whole Lewis Ludlam and Eddie Jones thing, battle war thing, and oh my god, this is an outrage, irresponsible. Uh, Nick Tompkins so, said absolutely rightly because we understood the context of uh, the way he meant it. Nick Tompkins said that there's hatred of uh, of England from Wales rugby fans. We understand he doesn't mean, you know, in the global sense, in the rugby sense, and that's right. No, so but my point, my point being, Scotland are enjoying this win, but in the back of their mind, they're, they they're knowing as they as they celebrate tonight, then they know, oh, that means England might win the Six Nations. Is that what you think? You're so conspiratorial. 
I think they'll be delighted. Of course they will the be. Absolutely, as they should be. But for Scotland, this tournament could have been different with a slight bit of luck against England or slightly less bad luck against England. Um, they could have easily won that game. And if they'd have taken their chances against Ireland, they could have won that game. Yeah. Mm. So they could actually be going into this. It, just, it could genuinely be they Scotland have, had, for a Grand Slam. If you had uh, Finn Russell, Grand Slam. Who knows? 100% Grand Slam. Who knows? if? But without Finn Russell, this team looked really good today. Hastings is really good. Hastings, I mean, Hastings had a great game. And it, the it, centre partnership had a great yeah. game. The the wingers, they use the wingers intelligently and pragmatically because so you don't have two of the tallest wingers in the competition and or it's, they are using them as they should be mm. because, well, they're very good in the air and you can put those they were bombs very, up and get them competing for it. They were very precise, Scotland. They were. I mean, I think, that, well, they were precise in open play. Their set piece had something to be desired. Their line out again is shoddy. Yeah, line out struggles. They scrum did well against a, a big French pack. Yeah, it did. And I wonder, I do think that the French pack, for as no, enormous as it is, the props are still relatively inexperienced. Very inexperienced. Yeah, and that, <laughs> hence, yeah, that hence you might, saw the red card. Oh my word. Now that's a proper red card. <laughs> now, if one of them is to be um, pined over and, you know, oh, sorry, I'm getting it confused. Uh, I'm getting the woody squeezing com- com- uh, confused with the with the, the red, red card. Red card, sorry. Anyway, ignore all of that. I just I I just enjoyed it. I just enjoyed the whole the whole fracor. What he was thinking is beyond me, though. Yeah. yeah well, experience. But I, he's a rugby player. He's a professional yeah. rugby player. I assume you're not allowed to do that for Montpellier. <laughs> well, are you? Rules are different in France. I mean, and also the viciousness of it. So like he held Jamie Ritchie with, uh, is it is it Jamie Ritchie? Jamie Ritchie. Yeah, yeah, he holds him with one hand, pulls him towards the swinging hand. Thank God that didn't connect, because if that connected properly, it would be a mess. He clipped him. Yeah. It... Uh, and then Jamie Ritchie, for you know his part, throws two punches on the floor. And I thought when I first saw that, I thought Jamie Ritchie, he's off here. Didn't see the see the see the first two, the first punch. But then I'm surprised that Jim Ritchie didn't get a card as well. So they didn't look back at that, did they? No. I, I mean, just, I kind of see why. But that, but that, again, Tim, to your your entire point on uh, consistency and inconsistency, if there are three punches thrown, surely the two players that throw those three punches should both be off. Yep, off the off you go. I mean, I do see... No, no, bit, of... all the other players should have gone, formed a circle around them and started going, fight, fight, fight. But mind Shirt, you, shirts I off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would fight uh, that tight head. No, J- so Jamie Ritchie, <clears throat> he's a he's a good player, but he's a niggly player. He does stuff like this where he he is pretty streetwise when it comes to winding up other players. <laughs> yeah, uh, wrong guy, wrong guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, or the right guy because. Well, he gets what he wants. It's very, very fine line. So if, right? if Joe Marler had, had done that in this scenario and takes a punch for the team but um, elicits a red card, Joe Marler would have been delighted. Okay, so yes and no. In this case, yes. If um, I can't say his name, is it Hamu? Ha- 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 uh, Hamus? Hawass. 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 Right. 
if he connects, Jamie Ritchie is regressing his decision regardless of the, of the colour of the card. <laughs> There's a pretty yeah, significant but... connection. It, not no, I mean, I, it's a glancing connection. If he got him square, yeah, it, 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 a... it, it, it could have spread his nose right across his face. Oh yeah, or broken his jaw. Yeah, I mean, it was he really goes for it. It's not just like you know, um, a little jump, little warning shot here. No, 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 no. You know, yeah. He he wanted to kill J- Jamie Ritchie. I'm pretty sure that was the case. <laughs> Jamie Ritchie job done. Yep. Well, yeah. For... Very fine lines. It, it is. It's for fine lines. So, so uh, if so, if Jamie Ritchie was go was goading, trying to uh, get a red card, should should he face sanctions? No. Well, it it depends. That's what he did. It, yeah, it depends if you're. This is where it comes down to being streetwise and. Treading the fine line between what is allowed within the laws and what is not allowed within the laws. So, yeah, it depends what you do, right? So, if Jamie Ritchie, like Joe Marler, say, called um, called him like a gypsy boy or some such thing, like Joe Marler said in the past, and then he gets lamped, yeah, I can see red card going go either way. But if yeah. he's like, by the way, mate, your scrimmaging's terrible, uh, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, and that, that I don't like your boots. Where, yeah, where, yeah, where do you where do you get your haircut? That's awful. It's dreadful. And ju- um, ju- just or- to be clear, because I'm not, I'm not, I'm no longer sure anymore. If um, if Howas did that, if if I did what Howas did to one of my colleagues in an office tomorrow, would that be bad? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, really. If I, if, I, if I not wanted to jump back, that was the most ridiculous type of response that there was a lot of on Twitter and anyone. Y- 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 yeah, that, yeah. That, that 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 conflation was the most ridiculous thing. But do you know what, Tim? They have a point. I, I mean, I regularly used to tackle my colleagues in, in work. Yeah, I, I never yeah. got in trouble for it. For one time where uh, I landed her on a head slash shoulder area. Yeah. I don't know. I did face I, HR. Yeah, I, I had a disciplinary when um, someone said, can you help me get the, the, that, the paper down off the top shelf? And I did like a line-out lift underneath their, <laughs> their bum instead of standing on a ladder. Yeah, uh, well, bad lifting te- technique. Mate. Yeah, <laughs> and I did when I saw that uh, Manu and Tom Curry hit on Dan Bigger. I got incredible deja vu from something that happened in the office just last week. Really, it really, yeah, it was almost identical hit in I, the office. Yeah, <laughs> so I would say I'm not saying you definitely can't do it in work team, <laughs> but I think on balance of risk you should try it. Definitely try it. Uh, Scotland were legitimately good in this game, though. They were. They had a plan. They had a plan, and they really executed it. And and France, while they were brilliant at times, some of the breaks that they made when things opened up a bit later in the game were superb. Uh, and the the Dupont crossfield kick was superb. They did look clueless at times. Yeah, they they, re- they struggled. I'm still working out how France didn't win this personally, because they were bending the Scottish line at will. And I guess that comes that is with the accuracy. They would bend it at will until it mattered, and then all of a sudden the twenty-two. But either that's because the wings are now in the line, or I don't know what happens. But they consistently turn over France, and they can, France can consistently give give away a penalty. And it wasn't a disciplined penalty. It seems to be well worked with the Scottish steel, and they just seem to intervene at the right times. Well, that Scotland back row were good at identifying when the rook when it, the rook was on to steel. Mm. and when it wasn't on to steal and going for it when it was on and either slowing it down significantly or winning the penalty. So the Boutier break, um, where you think they've got a score yeah, here. it's on. It's, yeah, on. it's on. 
And that is probably a really good example of that because you think for all the world, this is exactly what France want. And actually, this is exactly what France don't want, which is a guy in open field exposed to the Scottish back row with only one supporting runner who's looking for the ball, not looking for the clear out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, massively well played Scotland. Can I say, um, though, however, the big downside for Scotland is their kit was disgusting. <laughs> that powder you know, blue I'm, kit is horrible. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with that. Yeah, it's not a great one. No, um, it's not good. Like, and particularly as Scotland's navy kit is, is lovely and France's white kit is beautiful as well. Why would you not have that yeah. looking great? I don't I don't understand. Yeah, I, we need to get past the old amateur rules, don't we, where yeah. the home team is in a change kit. We now need to say, look, what looks best on TV? Yes. Exactly. You know, it's not it's not like oh. the French have only got one kit and they showed up and then, oh crikey, what should we wear? You know, oh, uh, we'll go and get the change kit from the basements. It's, that's not what happens. So we should know in advance. It's just not good enough now. Gok Wan should be seconded to Stand World Rugby to decide who, which strips look best before every game. Yeah, yeah which combination looks best. Did, did you see the, the Blues versus... Sorry, the Bulls yes. versus the Highlanders? Disgraceful. Disgraceful behaviour. I mean, I've seen some bad kit clashes in the past. Um, Scotland, New, Scotland, New Zealand Blacks, yeah. about, I don't know, six or seven years ago. Probably 12 like years ago. Yeah, whenever that was, when they were both played in slightly different shades of grey. Yeah. Um, but they, I've got it here, actually. I mean, Tim, obviously, you can't see this, but JB, who is playing on what team in that <laughs> picture there? Now, they're all league. They look... That could all be legal or that could all be illegal at the Rook because I can't tell which player is which. So that guy looks like he's part of this defensive line. Yeah. But he is part of this offensive clear and out. also, have they got little lines on the shirts? There are like little hatches on yeah. them. On both sides, right? So the biggest problem now is they're, they're both actually broken up the outline of the shirts. It's kind of like the way the camouflage works. It's almost impossible to, to officiate that. Uh, yeah. And they're wearing... Pretty much identical shorts. There is a couple of degrees of difference in the socks, and the shirts are. Someone needs to be fired for that. Near identical. It's ridiculous. I mean, Super is already a bit of a laughing stock. It's absolute... But to wear the same kit to play each other, I mean, that is so basic, isn't it? It is so basic. Yeah. And someone will come up with an excuse like, "Oh, it's commercial. The kit, the kit manufacturers wanted it." No, 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 no. That makes it so... worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a way, it does. It does. It does. It does. Um, but back to Scotland, one one other uh, negative, uh, not wanting to take the shine off a brilliant win, but just as a spectacle watching as a as a neutral, well, I was rooting for Scotland, obviously as an England fan, uh, wanting us to m- maybe win a Six Nations tournament. But um, yeah. And our, our friend, our, our um, listener, Steve Parrott, of the Exeter Chiefs par- Parish, tweeted mm-hmm. exactly what I clocked as well. He said, knock on at 20 minutes, 47 seconds. Scrum completion oh. at 23 minutes, 24 seconds, two minutes and 37 seconds for one scrum, which equates to 3.27% of the entire match. So I, I did notice the scrums yeah, were I, taking an age in this I, game. I, I completely agree. We need to take more more time with these scrums. <laughs> 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 Only 3% of the game was scrummaging. Not on. Not on. 3% of the game was one scrum. One individual scrum. Wrong. Now, that's okay if it's like extra Chiefs Saracens opening scrum of the final five years ago or four years ago, where they lean on and there's so much pressure coming through the hook. Oh, it was Bath. 
was it Bath? There was there was Argentina England scrum in I want to say twenty thirty. My sure it's after that, where there is th- the ball's in the middle and no one strikes it, and it's in the middle for like 30, 40 seconds. Yeah, I think it's Exeter Saracens this scrum, but it could be Exeter Bath because I seem to remember asking Rob Weber about it. Ah. I think you asked him about. Well, you were there, and he was saying there was so much pressure coming through, he could he not couldn't lift raise his, his leg. Which is awesome. Every scrum should be like that. <laughs> uh, it sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, so less... it wasn't that sort of scrum is what we're pointing out. No. No. It was a lot of boot cleaning, uh, huddles, moving from one place to another without actually doing anything mm. to get things going. Yeah. Uh, it, that could be speeded up. Uh, to be fair, massively. But there you go. Um, can I mention that I think Gregory Aldrich is the best eight in the Six Nations? So he's very good. He's awesome. And he had a, a relatively quiet game. Compared, Do you think compared to compared to his other stuff? Oh, I thought he was awesome. Like I mean, he was, he was still awesome. Like his like his work around the base of the scrum, his awareness of which channel he needs to be in, the way he picks up and goes straight to the ten. That's yeah. that's that's proper old school. Like, yeah. He just knows where he is. He, He's like a guided missile. And then he's playing with DuPont so he can bring... I mean, part of DuPont's brilliance is how Aldrich helps him. Yes. Uh, I, I, I can't speak highly enough about him. I think he's brilliant. And he's Scottish. Yeah, half Scottish. Half Scottish. Yeah. But Fra- France, are gonna, France are just going to do France things once in a while and France franced it up as much as they could. Yeah. They definitely franced it up. And there's obviously the red card, which is a wonderfully French thing to do. Yep. Um, shades of Vahamina in the quarterfinal, elbowing. Um... I, I quite respect France for at least, if they're going to get a red card, they make sure they get a red card for something really heinous that, that would have been a red card 20 years ago and today. That That's, yeah. that's very French. In the post-war years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they, they've got a, a kind of cl- classical in their red card shithousery. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And uh, they, they did. So, obviously, the French, the red card had an impact on France. Also, losing Entomac so early had an impact on right. France. Right. So, I didn't. When I saw Jellebert come on, because I know how highly he, he's rated, and I'm pretty sure something happened on the French uh, Twitter account this this week. And I say, I think it happened. I didn't actually see it. I saw someone referring to it. Actually, I'm not going to go, go any further. But basically, they want the, the Twitter account want basically wanted Jelly Bear, Jelly Bear to play. Wow. And then he comes onto the field with his shock of blonde hair. I think this kid looks like someone who knows how to knows how to play rugby, and he does. Uh, I I thought they actually picked up once he came on. So they picked up in certain things. There was a few breaks that he sparked, but they they didn't seem to get the same footing in the game mm. because he was when it was on. He looked brilliant, but when it wasn't on, and he just waited to put the boot through the ball and get some territory, I don't think he made those decisions well enough. I wonder, and I don't know enough about the French style of play or you know the personnel involved, but I wonder if it is possible for them to go with uh, Intermac at twelve because that's where he plays for Toulouse, making way for Jalibert. But I don't know if that fits what they're trying to do because at the moment they've got. Uh, Von, Von Sant and Vakatawa. Uh, yeah. So two big, strong boys. Exactly. And, and there's a lot of things he's not big and strong. Yes. And Fiku, who played 12 before that as well, mm-hmm. is another big, strong boy. Yeah. So I, I was 
when Fiku packed down at eight the other day, I was su- surprised he was packing it down at eight because in my head, he's still like an 18, 19 year old wiry runner. He's, I looked him up at the time. I think he's about 105 kg. Is he? He's, he's about six four as well, isn't six, he? Six three and that weight. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good player. Uh, and also Pernod. Uh, Pernod, ha- who's another back. big, strong boy. Yeah, he is. Did you um, see? Um, did you see Adam Hastings spot his mum and dad on the big screen? That, that was fun. That was no, very fun. So what happened, I, JB? Um, so uh, Adam Hastings had just kicked a penalty for Scotland, was running back to his spot, and they cut to a shot in the crowd, which is obviously on the big screen, of Gavin Hastings and, um, well, whoever Adam Hastings' mum is, and Mrs. Mrs. Hastings, and they did a little Probably. kiss on the camera, cut back to Adam Hastings, who just sort of screwed his face up, stuck his tongue out, and went, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got that. It's quite a funny uh, reaction. Hmm. So, France, still a real deal. Bad, bad, bad loss, very French. Well done. Well done, Scotland. I'm still not sure they're yet the real deal. Oh, I'm 100% certain of it. They've got the talent. I just don't think they're there yet. Uh, I, I, this this no, game, this they're game, getting better. I said that a few weeks ago, and this game just cemented the, so, my thinking. In here's how you think about it, right? A while ago, the French highs weren't that high, and the lows <laughs> were really low, i.e. Twickenham last year. Oh, yeah. Now, they are beating everyone, and when they do lose, you still see some really good stuff. So they're not completely clueless. Yeah, there was some good stuff. It was some really good stuff. They are they can enough. bend the line like no one else. The offloading game is unstoppable when it gets when going. It's going. Yeah. Their talent is second to none, particularly where it matters. Eight, nine, ten. It's on. If, fact, if, whole back- if you want to talk about this game more, I'm gonna insist you talk about Scotland because you you've raved about France over the past you know, however many rounds as they've won games. They just got handily beaten by Scotland. So we're well, not going. We're not going. We're not going to talk about how amazing France are anymore. I might do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. Scotland were very, very good. There you go. Bloody I brilliant! Like... And they've still got Finn to come back. So, and potentially, that's... not the Six Nations apparently. No, no, that's, no. That's, isn't it? But at some point he might come back. Well, so will, love... will the France game next week actually happen? Because France were mad keen and said, this game's definitely happening, definitely happening, because obviously they, they, they sniffed the Grand Slam. But with now huge areas of uh, isolation in northern Italy happening, with the UK government saying they're going to take a view in the, in the coming couple of days on potentially, potentially stopping schools and things, I, I just wonder if this final, this final game with France next week will actually happen. It's a big one. It's a, it's, yeah. it's a good question. Don't know enough about it, I'm afraid. Because um, right now, so England definitely aren't playing. Yeah. England, England are currently top of the Six Nations on points difference. France, oh. France, Ireland might play. Now, either of those, if England don't play, when England don't play, either of those could overtake. Um, so the England game is a England. nil-nil? Or is it just un- unconcluded yet? Unconcluded. So, but potentially to be concluded at a later date. October yeah. is the date they've said. Apparently, I just say nil nil. Just say nil nil. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm for what it, I, as as an England fan as well. With England should be on eighteen points after they play Italy. So England should should get a five point well, win. Well, and that's, that's that's just I don't want to go into it, but that's the one thing we didn't mention in the England Wales game is 
England, really, if, if you want to focus and you want to look for perfection, it's like, we really balls it up, not getting a bonus point. But anyway, that's by the by. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great England, England definitely should have got a bonus point from, from the amount of opportunities they had in that game. Um, but England, if this tournament played out, England would most likely win it now. Hmm. Uh, England away in Italy? Yes, it's yeah. in rule. And Ireland are, Ireland are in Paris. October, you say? Yeah. <laughs> interesting. interesting. Oh, interesting. <gasps> oh, that's very interesting. Is it interesting? Is that a real That is. I'm actually, the word interesting I'm going to stick with for now, that is interesting. Yeah, very curious. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so um, Scotland actually also have an opportunity in this. So, Scotland play Wales. Um, Scotland could end up on 15 points. So, if, if England and France lose their next games or if the England game just does get nil-nilled Scotland could win the tournament oh no no Ireland will win it because their, their game in hand will be oh, against no, Italy so yeah, but, if, if, I, if Ireland win in Paris Ireland are winning the tournament well unless England and Ireland both get nil-nilled uh, yeah England, of course yes 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 yes. if England play England will win the tournament yes okay I understand Pre- what you're saying now yeah 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 so Scotland theoretically have a chance Anyway, domestic rugby. Domestic rugby. Unless there's anything else to cover on the Six Nations. Nope, done that. I think we've done more than enough. More than enough. I, I will just... I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to quote the... the. I think he's the... Can, no, he's one of the coaches at Worcester Warriors. Yes, please. Okay. Omar... I can't say... Sir, I can't remember his surname. Omar... The defense, yeah, yeah. the defense coach at Worcester, and he says he said this, and I think he was in response to the whole weekend on Twitter, and yeah. he he just tweeted this evening, do one thing for a few days, when you want to criticize anybody in any way, stop and ask, is my life in order? Is my house in order? Am I an example of what I expect people to be? If not, save your breath, for calling your porridge. Right. I, I mean that. I'm uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. No, uh, so at the end of it, it said, uh, "Save, save your breath for calling your porridge. Lead by example and feel the difference." That. Yeah. There you go. I think it's a sensible way to live your life. To be honest. Yeah. Fine. And yeah. I. Do, yeah. I'm ha- very happy with that. Uh, I do, I do think people who um, get into certain spats on Twitter um, are using using it in the wrong way. Yeah. Basically, it's a good news aggregator. As long as you don't engage with other people too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would just mention that he is actually not the defence coach, but in fact is the chef. <laughs> no. Is that right? I'm pretty sure he's a chef, yeah. I've, I've, got, no, I've got no idea. Is there a chef not called Omar? Isn't Wasp's chef called Omar? There's a chef called Omar, and I'm sure that that's, <laughs> that's the same chef. <laughs> is Wasp's chef or Worcester's defence coach? Uh, it is. Let me find out for you. There is a chef called. Sure. Uh, he, he's the defence coach, uh, defence coach, and he's been the defence coach at the Sharks, the Stormers, Stade Francais, and Worcester Warriors. Now I'm getting confused. I, I'm thinking <laughs> I mean, there is a guy, either Harlequins or Wasps, and it's Omar something. And, uh, well, and well, it, it's definitely it may. Well, I'm sure there is a, a chef somewhere called Omar, maybe at a rugby club, even. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Probably mission on star. 
but this this Omar is definitely a de- defense coach. And also the the only other final thing I'd say in context context of the Six Nations and you know following up from his sentiments right there is uh, Matthew Watkin maybe puts things in a little bit of perspective. Yes, very very sad. Yeah, definitely. Uh, do you remember Matthew Watkin playing? Yeah, he was a real like tough. It was it was, was always hard to bring down as an outside centre, wasn't he? He just managed to like keep those legs pumping like a piston. He, he managed to do more with his size than than he probably should. That's what I seem to remember. He was a real hard ball carrying centre. Yeah, just great great feet. I, I remember him playing at Scarlets when Scarlets used to be used to be pretty good. He was in the team. Uh, I think they won the Grand Slam. Uh, well, I'm not sure he was in that team, but the year that they won the Grand Slam, then he was promoted up to the team uh, in the Autumn Internationals, I think, which uh, ended the same way that every Welsh game against the All Blacks ended. But, uh, yeah, very, very fond memories. Very, very good uh, good, good inside centre. Absolutely. But age 41, that's... um, Yeah. yeah. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's frightening. Uh, so yeah, thought thought that's worthy of mention. But yes, we can move on to domestic matters. Lovely. We had some uh, we had some domestic rugby this weekend. Yeah, there's a few games. Um, the so because I was uh, at Twickenham all day yesterday and travelling all day today, the only game I've properly watched was the Friday night one, which so Friday night on um, BT Sport, Worcester versus Northampton, which. On paper, I thought it was going to be really exciting. So two teams that can play mm-hmm. in good conditions, because it was lovely conditions on a Friday night, yep. on a plastic pitch. And then before the gaming comes, um, Ben Kay was saying that both teams there, because they're struggling for a win, it seems like they're just overrunning the ball and they're, they're getting a bit too eager. And the final pass is not going to hand. And that was a perfect description of what was about to happen in this game. Yeah. because. Both teams were desperate for the win. Both teams played some lovely stuff. And then every time, almost every time, with with really the exception of the, the Ollie Lawrence try, which was taken really well, every time they got a try scoring opportunity, for one reason or another, they butchered it. So it was such a frustrating game to watch. 
as a as a neutral watching this game. I didn't I, I didn't say it. Um, well, that's that's about all you can say. Um, two yellow cards early on as well, which was um, both the right thing. Um, Mills and Collins both cynically preventing try scoring opportunities. Both got uh, dealt with in the, exactly the correct way with the yellow cards. But yeah, Northampton will be delighted to yeah. get the win because yeah. that was all that mattered to them. Worcester will be happy enough with a bonus point, but frustrated that they didn't take a load of their opportunities. Yeah, Northampton stopping the rock was massive because they've got some key cogs to put back into that side that I think will get them back towards where they were. But one one person I would mention who I, I think could be an out, could be a shout for Japan and could have a role to play in the coming years. Harry Malinder was playing much more from fullback, but was very much like a second playmaker in the way that Saracens have used Alex Good so effectively over the years. And he looked he looked really good at that particular thing. And um, I think in tandem with Dan Bigger, that could be a pretty potent little um, little axis. Yeah. yeah. Stop, stop, stop. The chef I'm thinking of is Omar... Mez Mezine M E Z I A N E co-wrote the book with um, Haskell with Haskell. So ah, was... no, that he is the chef who did wasps and also Worcester's defence coach. Uh, sorry, yes, also Worcester's also Worcester's also He's a talented man. He is a talented man. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say I, I think I want to mention wasps as well because with every week that's that... gone by over the last month, I've thought, oh, okay, oh okay, oh no. Wow, the optics—the yeah, optics do not look good for Die Young, but wasps are legit. I agree. I mean, I thought the Saracens' victory was just like this weird little blip where Saracens don't turn up. They've yeah, got, they've got relegation and thing, other loan on deals mind. on the mind. Yeah, no, no, no. They, yeah. And I tell you what, I liked about it—they finally found a home for their most expensive player, uh, not Timona, Timona and uh, Allen, who was still a. Uh, languishing at A-team a level for some reason. But uh, Sapuanga, who really adds a little bit of class coming in at 15. And, well, so that it's interesting because um, we, we said this early in the season, when you had, um, in the past, the last few years, you've had um, Kirtley Beale and you've had Willie LaRue playing 15. Both of those can come in as a, a second playmaker. Mm which is not something that Mathieu Minotzi or Marcus Smith, Marcus Smith, Marcus Watson, Watson. Yes. can do. So maybe Sopranger is good. Now that does really add three playmakers into that back line because you've got Gopeth there pulling the strings as well. But I think that's but the sort it, of thing they need, isn't it? It works. If it's working. Yeah. They have a situation where their squad isn't the strongest. They, they were in a real hole. They now find themselves fifth. Have I got that right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fifth. After and their start as yeah, well. They've just got to get their best players on the field. Where it doesn't really matter what position that they play. And they're all talented boys. Um go you know, go for it. The you're right about the die young stuff. And I tweeted about this um I think on I think maybe last night or the night before, which is I think Die Young, because you know, being a good bloke kind of did cover up for some deficiencies in in the coaching department i've said for the longest time i didn't think they were they were particularly well coached uh, and lee blackett is doing a sterling job so if he's hoping to get the job for next year 
you might argue he's going the right way about it. Well, Dai Young didn't actually do any... Uh, well, no, he did a bit of forwards coaching, but Dai Young didn't really do much of the coaching. The, the other coaches did a lot of it, including Lee Blackett. But uh, quite often you see... Uh, that, that's why dynasties are so hard to build, because that everything... Well, most things tend to have a shelf life, and, unless you're someone like Bill Belichick and, uh, you know, want... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't got a yet. Ten years, mate. Yeah, so... <laughs> The die young thing, maybe it did just run its course. But what I would say is that the way Lee Blackett has clearly breathed a bit of kind of freedom and, and energy and into this team, and you look at the players they have, I just think I just take the hooker position for example with Tommy Taylor and Tom Cruise. They've got two guys who are really comfy with the ball in hand, really great in wide channels, and you've got the back row with guys like Thomas Young, Nizam Carr, uh, and Jack Willis, who is a test yeah. player in waiting. His last it's- month. Is outrageously good, and like he's got something like eleven more turnovers than any other player in the Premiership. All other players combined, (laughs) he is just remarkable. But you've got, but you actually look at the players that they have, and and then the way Lee Blackett's just saying, basically, let the boys play. Off you go, go play. If you see it, do it, and it actually works with that group of players, and it has clicked, and it seems to. There is something in the Wasps' DNA over the last, say, five years which has allowed them to play in that manner. And I think that's where they feel most comfortable. That's what, how they believe that their identity or what they, that's how, that's what they believe their identity should, should be. And it does work better. It works better than the idea. And I don't mean to bang on about Dai Young, but I think Dai Young wanted to win the game line first, first and foremost. I'm not saying Lee Blackett doesn't want to win the game line. Yeah. But, who, uh, who wants to lose the game yeah, line? Let's lose the game line. Yeah. And then we'll spin we'll, it wide. We'll build from losing the game line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's changed. You know, it's just a change of direction. And it seems to be working wonderfully. And just one thing about wasps, um, yeah, I think they've got their house in order when it comes to their well, their man, their management above the uh, above the rugby staff. I think that they've got a fantastic stadium, fantastic facilities. I don't know if there's any other issues going on behind the scenes, which are you know might derail them at some point. A lot, lot of debt to finance. There's a, yeah. there, there've been lots of talk about the financial side of things in, in, in the past, so I don't know but what state that's in. What the CVC money is there, potentially there to, to do, a lot of other clubs will be trying to catch up Wasps in terms of their facilities. Mm. You know, and Wasps already have that. So it's going to still, you know, they're not out of the woods by any stretch, but you can see how they could build on a good basis. And then the other side of this fixture, Gloucester. Oh, my word. So just Yin and Yang. Yeah, we were talking last week about who do you fire? Well, yeah, where is this going wrong? I, I, well, I, my view on this is, it's simultaneously Danny Cipriani's fault and not his fault. Let me explain that. I think that it's all built around sippers and if he's not available or not playing they are in real trouble i also think because it is so focused on one man's talents that you sort of know what they're going to do and therefore they're easy to plan against you never see anything which surprises you from gloucester you just see the same things done really well when it comes off like how do they score this week um an accident offload I mean, that's just what they do really, really well. But they never surprise you with a, a new strategy or a new game plan. It's more the same. You know, get Paledre bending the line, get uh, Sippers using his missed passes, and when he's not available, they, they struggle. And, of course, we mentioned it last week, there's no Willie Hines. But I don't think Willie Hines is going to be the total difference between this run of losses or this run mm-hmm. of form 
and then coming back into form. Willie Hines is very useful, but he's not going to just as soon as Willie Hines turns up, he's not going to correct. Yeah, this position there is there is more at play here. He does he does he does a lot of very basic things very well. One of the things being let's play the book let's play in the right parts of the field and let's know when to take a bit of territory and when to relieve a bit of pressure and when to have a crack. And he I think he will make a bigger I think he will make a bigger difference immediately than people think. I'm not saying it's the only thing and it will turn it around, but I think he is critical. Critical. It, it would it will, seem it, to be he's important looking at this run of, run of games. Yeah, it will be. It will be interesting to see when he does come back if they can start to turn the corner because the way the way that they've been playing, they've got all the bits and pieces. I just think they need a bit more guidance. I think the coaches need to be accountable now for the direction that this team takes. You've got to remember, Gloucester have got a real big decision coming up. Um, do they stick with Sippers forever? Um, or do they blood this blood blood this new lad? What happens if Sippers goes off the rails? Um, does Sippers want to stay there? Does, yeah, does, does, it, does he I, want to go and get a final one big money yeah. deal out in Japan uh, or France or America or wherever? Owen Williams is coming to his end, end of his contract, so you can't, turn, you can't hand, hand the keys to him. So they're going to have some real big decisions to make. There again, if they get rid of Owen Williams, Cipriani goes the year after next, they've got a lot of cap room to buy an awful expensive mm. fly half, which mm. is what they were supposedly missing in the first place. Yeah, and when they looked good, it's when Cipriani was playing at his best. They need someone, don't they, who is... Well, they basically need someone who's going to stay there for a long time and is young and build the team around that person. Who's yes. not Danny Cipriani. Who's not Danny Cipriani. Who do you reckon? Uh... You just you just said they've got all the they've got all the pieces, so why do you need to, like... Well, because the problem you've got, Tim, is... Danny Cipriani might want to want to leave, or you yeah, might I, I know. Well, that, that, there's lots of ifs and buts there. Danny Cipriani might just be affected, by having a having a slight dip, not be in the quite the right headspace, and we'll get back to, and we'll be back on it. I think he signed a two or three year deal. He's got this year and next year. Next year, yeah. yeah. So he's a two year, so he's a one year deal initially, yeah, but, and then a yeah. two year. But your problem being, him is if he's not available, what you got? You know, other other teams can well. Yeah, they can swap in and out fly halves. Uh, Exeter do, do it. Uh, Manu Vinopola. I mean, if if this was an, an actual real season, Saracens, despite some of their losses, and Manu Vinopola would still be third. They'd still be third. You know, Sale go between eight, go between AJ and Rob. You know, all the all the big teams can go between two two fly halves. And when you can't, you end up with something like Leicester, who are languishing at the bottom now. Yeah, I mean, and 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 for what as for wasps, I don't think they thought at the start of the season Jacob Umanga would play as much as he has. No, not yeah. by a long stretch. So it, it's very very uh, orientated around Cipriani. I don't think that needs to be the case. You can't um, really replace him with anyone, including Owen Williams, who you're paying a fortune to. He's going to have to go at the end of the season anyway because he's going to want to play internationals. You would assume. So they're going to have to look at bringing in somebody else. I would. I'd do it ASAP, actually. I, I would have thought they're already on that. But well, because they have all the other pieces, I don't think it needs. It has to be a young person that they are thinking they're going to stay with for the next seven or eight, well, ten years. It, it can be can be well, a great fly off for the next couple of years. That's fine as well. Yeah, I guess a, a Pollard or someone would would do all right. Yeah, Andre Pollard. Yeah, I'm just thinking like so. I, I, I'm <laughs> guessing that the, where they're going to be looking in South Africa. 
Everyone's looking in South Africa. That is fair. And also Pollard's in... Good value. Uh, Montpellier? Uh, yes. But, you know, that's... that. I, I would say someone like that because they'll have a... They will have a marquee position available for someone. And why not spend it on a fly-off? They've got to do something. They've got to do something to stop the rot. Mm. Um, They're in a bad the way. Other games this week. Can't think of any. So Bristol beat Quinns. Uh, quite, quite, quite a good game. Quite a reasonable game. Um, no, no bonus point for Bristol at home. Brett Heron had a um, an interesting game, a curious game to put it mildly. Didn't really spark the backline into life. And Marcus Smith uh, looked really good when he came on, didn't he? Ibert, yeah, I tell you what, Ibertoya, he's got. I don't think he's on England's radar yet, but my God, if he carries on developing. He's been I mean, he's been in an, he's been in an England squad under Eddie, Eddie Jones before. Oh, there you go. Several times. So, so so he is on the radar. So his raw talent is up there, but he does some really peculiar things with um with the offloading, and he had two today. Uh, one didn't go to hand, but that was not his fault. It was a really nice pe- a really nice pe- uh, uh, piece of skill. The only thing I would say about him is when I saw him first time round, I saw him on his debut. I think it was against Exeter Chiefs last year, and I thought he's a, a little bit lightweight. But he seems to have kind of adjusted to the to the physicality of the Premiership. He's he's very effective. Uh, Bristol, yeah, pretty awesome. They'll be disappointed not to get the bonus point. I saw, now I've, I've not seen any of this because I was on a train and I walked, having left the hotel at eight this morning, walked through my front door at three this afternoon, just in time for the nice, awful, awful day Horrendous. travel. I would yeah. be interested to know, have I... Either of you two ever played in a team that plays anything like Bristol? Yeah. Um, yeah. Go where? Newbury under Ben Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> so th- there's certain things that Bristol do, and I wonder if it is a. It's certainly not as simple as like play what you see. I mean, there is some definite shape there. They do. They did this thing today with they basically had two players lined up behind the tent. So it's like three players lined up, and they just know which way to. I mean, it must be drilled to the nth the nth degree to get that precision. So that I'd not seen the example for Bristol today, but that running multiple runners behind the ten um, is well, sorry behind I've seen the a few scrub. teams do that. Yeah, no, no, Scot- no. It wasn't. It wasn't behind a scrum. Oh, it was just an open scrum. play. Yeah, yeah. It was just an open play. Because Scotland did it today from a scrum, from mm. an attacking scrum in France's half, and that's it's not that co- it's not that uncommon from a scrum position, from open play, it'd be unusual. Because open play, there seems to be far less advantage to it, just because your defence is fanned out. So you, you, with, when you're doing it from the back of a scrum, you're yeah. trying to create a mismatch by flooding players one way. Mm. Um, because the defence has to set up. The defence can't have three men behind the scrum as well and pick which side <laughs> yeah, they go to. But in open play, it doesn't seem... To, as well, having not seen it, it doesn't seem to, that it would make a huge difference. Yeah, I just difference. think... Like, well, it, I mean, it doesn't always work either because defences are, are so good. But more often or not, they're getting getting over the line. And mm. again, it's the shape that they consistently maintain, which I find really impressive. Mm. And also the sheer magic of Charles Peter. That helps on occasions. <laughs> Yeah, he's fairly handy. He's fairly handy. Oh, Red Rada. Red Rada next season. How? Yeah, these guys are going to be serious. I think uh, that's Earl and Malins too. Earl, Malins, yeah. Yeah, so Malins has re-signed for Saracens, they're hasn't both, he? Yeah, yeah, they both have. Till 2023, re-signed. So, or 2024 maybe even. It, but with one year loan at Bristol. One year loan, yes. 
Yeah. Which is weird because I expect Saracens to be in the championship for two years. Do you? Yes. 100%. How come? Because their spending has to be in order for one year before they can go up. No, no, that's not that's not the case. It is 100% the case. Yeah, I was no. speaking to... I was speaking to someone who was, who was. Uh, we would have heard. It, well, they then we would have heard that was touted around a little bit, and then rejected quite promptly. And we would have heard much, much more about that if that was true. I thought it got addressed. Believe, believe you me, they will be down there for two years. Hear me now. Believe me. Later. Hear me now. Believe me later. Is it going to be on the whiteboard? I was talking to a very, very. Um, Put it on the whiteboard. Senior senior person about this this week. Put it on the whiteboard. Just just below. I lost my pad, but just, I, I will do. Just below Saracen's top four. Well, they're top three at the moment. Uh, if you so that was top four, including the original. Post- and also, I mean, look, look uh, the whiteboard isn't for legal matters, is it? That's the thing. That's the thing, thing that you have got to remember. But you already knew about the initial points deduction when yeah, you said yeah, top four. Yeah, so top four with a thirty-five point deduction. They wouldn't be in the top four right now with a thirty-five point deduction. We'd have to. Well, we'd have to run the, run the numbers. Yeah, we would have we'd to. Run, we'd have to run the numbers. We'd have to run the numbers. Well, let's, let's run the they... numbers at the end of the season with a minus thirty-five, and yeah, and also put on the whiteboard. Saracens will be in the championship for two years on a technicality. Let's run the numbers after the seventy-five point deduction or whatever it was. The additional seventy points. Yeah, the additional seventy points is that would then have distorted their effort in the season. So I don't think that's a necessarily good way. Are you trying to get out of... Absolutely not. I will, wrong, I, I, I will be, account, I'll be accountable for everything that I say. <laughs> um, other games, Exeter had a very good win a against Bath. Bath. I mean, Bath were disappointing, to put it mildly. 57-20. And, I mean, this is basically where we are with that with this season, which is you don't really know who's good. So a few weeks ago, I was like, maybe Stuart Hooper is really good. And now yeah. he's back to normal again. I still... I've never got that impression with Bath because even the wins have been kind of a little bit scrappy and ground out. And their type five and their the forwards are and good, back, yeah. and they yeah. they can grind it out. I but just still don't, don't forget back into that Bath team. You're going to have Will Stewart, you, Charlie Yules, Talupe Falatau, Sam Underhill. Um, Jonathan Joseph, Jonathan Joseph, Anthony Watson, Reese Webb, Reese Webb, he, Joe Thock, and a singer. They could. I still think they could have a late charge. The problem. Anyone with, can have a late charge. That's the thing. The problem with all of that is the man or men responsible for pulling the strings, or the man who um, yeah. people will trust pull the strings for that is Priestland. And yeah. That. that if I were a Bath fan, that wouldn't inspire me based on what I've seen. He's not the straw that stirs the drink. Hmm. So, it's a good, it's a fair point. Yeah, but you are right. The, their talent and their squad. Bath are one of those teams that are underperforming massively compared to the talent that's available to them. Yeah, I think that's all. Oh, Leicester Tigers are, are a disgrace. Do you want to talk about that? Uh, I've not seen any of this. Didn't Probably see any of this the... game. Apparently they were fielding the heaviest pack of the season or ever in the Premiership. Something ridiculous. Leicester were not Saracens with Leicester. Wow. Yeah, somewhat. Oh, I think that, that loose head props like twenty three stone, isn't it? Ah, that might account for some of it. Uh, but yeah, um, Raphael is very small. And everyone else is very big. Is basically what you can take out from that. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's unacceptable for Leicester to lose this game. 
completely. I mean, in, I mean, in times gone by, to lose away back, at Saracens. Yeah, uh, you know, back in the day, back uh, back when I was, the Saracens um, were a top four team. Yeah, not anymore. Well, they would have been <laughs> right. They would have been. Uh, Sean and Tommy Raphael related. No, uh, that's a good question. Actually, I don't believe so. They both play seven. They're both called Raphael. Yeah, that is that is a curious one. Well, Sean Raphael. Let's have a look. View player profile. England under twenties. Interesting. Inconclusive is the answer to that. Hmm. And this guy is definitely Welsh. He's also blind stuff like. All right, fine, whatever. Yeah, I, look, Saracens have been relegated. Um, they are playing mostly kids. Leicester are playing mostly kids, but I just feel that the spark has gone out of Leicester. The effort has gone out of Leicester. I, it's just completely flat. Um, yes, and it has been like that for for some time. And it's just raw, for a club of that standing and what it means to pull on the Leicester show. And what it means. I mean, they're still are they, are they the best attended club in in the, in the Premiership? Yes. Well, the, which game was it? The, the game last week. Um, their attendance was not good. It was. Patchy, to was say. it? Uh, but but, but just just want to rewind. You're saying it's unacceptable. I'm I, I'm not disputing they are in really really woeful shape. We've talked about this many times. But you're actually saying it's unacceptable for Leicester Tigers to lose away at the reigning European and Premiership champions. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because okay, the reigning, European, the reigning European champions, right? It doesn't read Manu Vinopolo, Don Morris, Sagan, Matt Gallagher. Callum Clark, Sean Raphael, Joel Kapoku, does it? I mean, that isn't a team that beat, beat, beat Leinster. But it does read uh, England centre uh, Brad Barrett. Mako Vinopola, um, World, World, Cup fi- World Cup finalist Mako Vinopola and World Cup winner Vincent Cock as props. And you can make up whatever you want, uh, reasons why this is not an embarrassment. The, the overall picture is embarrassing for Leicester Tigers. Yeah, I know. Yes, no one's disputing that. Picture is, yeah. I totally agree with that. I, yeah. I just, I think... I'm with to, Tim that to, to, crumble. To, to to lose to Saracens is not embarrassing. Performance is unacceptable <clears throat> as part of a wider picture. I don't okay. think we okay. need to... Do- per- performance, I totally agree with. I totally agree with you. Uh, right, so as we were talking uh, uh, earlier on, uh, in fact, we have for a long time, we like to talk about the top of the table because that's, of course, where it was. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about Exeter. Awesome. And Exeter <laughs> on top of the table. But they weren't for all... For all they weren't all... <laughs> 20, 24 hours, they were not. They were knocked off. 24 hours. 24 hours. Uh, because Sale, remarkably, managed to nil a team. Hammered London Irish. And this was a game which I think many neutrals would have been very worried about. <laughs> Sale. London Irish are no mugs whatsoever. They, they, they've been on a good run of form, had London uh, Irish. If you think that Leicester Tigers are an absolute disgrace, well, London Irish are the opposite. You know they're pulled together. This clearly means something, 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 something to them. They're putting some great performances, and they got no nil points, which is, well, very, very rare in professional Premiership rugby. It is, yeah. It's particularly unusual to to see a nil. Um, I guess there is the the um, position we find ourselves in in the Premiership um, with. No relegation, so ultimately some game, well, every game doesn't matter um, because of the Saracens' position. But even taking that into account, this is a very good performance by Sale. Yeah, it's and a great performance. And I think a few more people are starting to think that 
perhaps Sale could just disrupt that top four, disrupt the what certain people, myself included, might have um, thought could be an Exeter procession at the end of the season. Exeter just turn wow. turn up at Twickenham at some point towards the end of June. Don't tie the laces. Yeah, don't bother tying the laces. Um, Hepburn will be having a fag with um, with uh, Luke Cowan Dickey exactly. on the halfway line before the game, and they'll win. It's one thing, like you, like you go back a few years, and what Saracens did is buy a load of South Africans for immediate impact, and it worked for them, and that kick-started the success they've seen. And Sale, I've looked at that blueprint, and now spending every penny that the salary cap allows and and have gone I've got I've gone down that I've gone down that blueprint and sorry correct you there want to correct you there Tim they are well below the salary cap okay. apparently no no I can tell you right now they are well below the salary cap apparently well, they are absolutely in fact I know the exact figure that they are under the right. salary cap sure sure, they sure, are, sure. well I, I, I do and sure. they are under the salary cap sure okay substantially sure okay sure sure so they uh, they have seen that they have done the very same thing and brought in a load of South Africans for an immediate um, boost to try and get some success, which they can then build off the back of, and um, and it's working. And I think it's a, it, it was a smart tactic. It worked for it worked for Saracens. It will it, it will work for Sale. Not necessarily great for the England team right now, but will be in the future. I disagree with that, and I tell you why I disagree with it. Um, the the South African influence on Saracens was magnificent, and I think the influence that those guys had yeah. allowed the other boys. It's like a framework it's, for open fire well, and everyone else to find that, onto. That was and kind of what, that was what was pretty much the point I was making. That was pretty much the point I was making. As in, uh, it was meant to be a positive point. As in, whilst oh, right. whilst Lou Diaga, the Dupree brothers, Faf de Klerk, John O'Ross. Um, Rowan, Yanzi van Rensburg, etc., aren't going to be players, you know, nine out of the sale 15, if they played in the Premiership final this year, will probably be South African. They're not going to play for England. However, what that what that did for Saracens is what it will do for sale, and it will it will feed this this success mentality, and it's really good. And it's it's not necessarily a really easy thing to do in just about spending money, because it's exactly what Gloucester have tried to do, and it hasn't worked. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say you can already start to see it. So lads who have been in and around sale for a long, long time, you're finally starting to see exactly how good they are. Um, people like Luke James and Sam James both both got a try. I mean, Sam James looks like one of the most talented players in the in the entire league. And Luke James, I mean, for the you know, what was he like, twenty something, twenty one, twenty one, 21, 21. Uh, fifty appearances, um, like. Uh, where where would you rank Sam James in the outside centres, which England have quite a lot? Manu Tuolangi, Jonathan Joseph, Henry Slade. Um, there are uh, lots of... Ollie Lawrence. There uh, are jo- lots of, Joe Marchant. There are lots and lots and lots of good outside centres. And I think the thing which stands out about Luke James is he can do Sam things James. which... Sorry, Sam James. He can do things that, no, that that none of those guys can. Now, let's not say he can do everything which they can, but it depends what you want to do with them. And because he's got his platform now, playing with some better players, you can see exactly how um, uh, how skillful he is. And then another guy who's really come on leaps and bounds, Simon Hammersley was a good a good fullback. Now he looks like one of the best fullbacks 
in 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 the entire league. Um, Will Cliff is playing very well. You're going to see lads coming through like Curtis Langdon, lads who you don't think of as you know top performers, but because they can play and because they can identify what real good players look like and how they behave and how they act, they they can then they can then start start to replicate that. Ben Curry, Tom Curry, it's uh. I think we talked about this before, as in I think if Manu, Manu Vanapola stepped in at Worcester, he wouldn't look nearly as good as he does for Saracens. So, exactly. Yeah. Uh, which is yeah. why, actually, when I look at this, you go, actually, I th- looked at Simon Hammersley and thought he's an absolute class player because he was looking great in a team that even got relegated last year. And why Jacob Umanger looks so impressive, or ha- did look so impressive, because even when Wasps weren't playing well, he was still looking really good. Mm. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. So, so, um, so JB, what do the neutrals think about the the chances for sale in the top four? Do you think they're going to oh, cement? One hundred percent, they're in the top four. Yeah, I I think now, based it on the form, based on the way they're promising, playing, doesn't it? They'll definitely. But ultimately, they're only, you know, they're not that far from dropping out of the, um, uh, of the top four. I mean, if they have a you know, if they have two back-to-back losing games and everyone wins around them, that you you can see the season dropping out. Yeah. So it, it's po- well, it, it is possible. It's, I mean, of course, it's, of not, course, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. Exeter could lose games and drop out, but it's not going to happen. Exeter. So you never know. Uh, you know, Harlequins put fifty points on Saracens. Harlequins can win, and you know they've got to go to to the stoop. They've also got got to play Exeter, so they, they you know they could well get uh, two losses in a row there. So you, you're not going to know until you know, and this league is too tight. But it is good to see someone challenging Exeter. Yes, and right now, Sale probably Sale and Bristol look like the most likely ones to to threaten Exeter. Yeah. Um, yeah, so to, to potentially cause an upset towards yeah. the end of the season. Yeah, I tell you what, though, come come playoff time, put Sale to one side here. Um, whoever has Bristol Bears must be <laughs> must be terrified. It, yeah, it, now it depends. So, do can Bristol get into the top two? <sighs> yeah, yeah, they, they, they absolutely I mean, can. They absolutely, they yeah. absolutely can. They I mean, can. They, they can do. They can be anyone, including Exeter, who they've already yeah, beaten. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, with a driving mall. Yeah. They beat Exeter with a driving mall, not with some clever black, uh, c- c- clever back play, but with a driving mall. They they can legitimately go all the way. Now, nah, sorry, they can definitely get a win in the playoffs. Whether they can win the whole thing, I don't know. But that is the team I think are the most dangerous outside of outside of Exeter. Hmm. And then everything else. I mean, looks. I mean, if Sale don't make top four, they'll certainly see it as a bit of a loss. But I think they will. Yeah. Who's who's the fourth? Who's the fourth team though? Oh, various points this season, I would have said. Well, early in the season, I would have said definitely Gloucester, but more certainly before the season. Early in the season, I would have said Northampton are going to walk it into the top four. Now I don't know. The one that stands out for me is it's got to be Bath with their talent. They're two yeah, points off. They're, they're even, two places off it. Even their wins have not been impressive. I've never watched Bath and thought that was nice. <laughs> that even, felt good. Yeah, that was comfortable or anything like that. Yeah, Harlequins. Yeah, no. Uh, Northampton. No. Uh, I complete and utter toss up. So, North, Northampton but, wasps or Bath. Northampton wasps or Bath. I, I, I. I I think Bath could mount a late charge. I agree with the point about Reese Priestland, but Falatau, 
Webb, yeah. Priestland, they know each other quite well. And it's a lot of talent to come back in. And in maybe late April, um, the wreck might actually be playable. <laughs> the pitch might be firmed up enough so, so you can get uh, Rocco Daguni and Jonathan Joseph and Anthony Watson actually running fast. Who knows? So Sale, Brist, oh my God. So I, I can see Exeter having Bath, Exeter winning that. Sale have Bristol. That's going to be a tough ask. Sale really want to avoid Bristol, I would say. In fact, everyone wants to avoid Bristol. And Sale, no one's going to want to play Sale with the way that they're going at the moment. Sale at home is one thing. Yeah, Sale at the AJ. So it's all about the, it's all about who's the 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 home semi-finals will be big favorites. Well, not big favorites, but they will be favorites, whoever they are. So the home semi-final was lost. No idea. No idea. Don't think has has there oh. never been one. When um, when when Exeter won at, at, at Allianz Park with that Henry Slade wonder kick to the corner, didn't I didn't thought Exeter win it the from year four. the year that they yeah Exeter, yeah Saracens won it from fourth, but I thought when Exeter the year I, Exeter won it, did they finish top? Didn't they? Oh yeah, they finished top. Yeah, then they beat Saracens who finished fourth, and then they beat Wasps no 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 Wasps, Wasps finished top the year that Exeter won it. Ah, so Exeter won't finish second, Saracens Ex- finished third, and, Sar- and then Saracens went down to Sandy Park, so it was at Sandy Park that they got the last minute yeah. try with the wonder kick, yeah. The, the wonder kick in the corner, wasn't it? Yeah. So maybe 2015 then, if that was the year that Saracens finished. Did they win it from fourth that year? Or from third? They have won it from fourth. Yeah. But there you Ooh. go, it just goes to show, just like the Six Nations... When it gets to the big games, European Champions Cup quarterfinals, playoffs in the Premiership, home semi final is or home territory is absolutely massive. Yeah, yeah and the other, the other thing as well is we're going to have, I think, three teams who are not necessarily used to making playoffs. That's the other wild card. So you can't rely on the experience because back in the day it was always Leicester. Yeah, it was always every Exeter. Time. It was always. Um, there's always Saracens. And, and occasionally wasps get... a lot. Wasps in years gone by. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the mid-2000s, it was wasps were always there or thereabouts. So two of these teams will have virtually no experience in playoffs. Yeah. Which is even more fascinating. <laughs> oh. There we go. It's time to wrap this monster yes. episode. This monstrosity up. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Hit subscribe on that feed. And, um, yeah, obviously, Six Nations, we have got next weekend but it's well at the moment as it stands it's well who knows what's going to be happening in the next few days let alone uh, uh, the next few weeks all we do know is that we will be here as JB said I think it's the wisest advice you're going to get just in case there is a quarantine situation with no internet going down and systems failing hit subscribe download every episode on multiple devices follow him at JB more follow me at Cocker Phil will find you in the cesspit on social media other than that let the boys play wonderful let the boys play Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.